Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. I'm so glad that you've decided to join join me here this morning. Of course, my name is Nathan Wilson, your gardening pal. We've got a big show for you today. We're going to talk about some plants. That's what I love to do. <laughs> I'd like to make sure you've got new plants, plants that uh, maybe you've never had before, or plants that maybe uh, you've had before and forgot about. But today we're specifically going to talk about plants and information to help you attract birds to your landscape. I realized that we'd never really talked about this specifically before. We've talked about attracting pollinators and things like that. And to some degree, certain birds are pollinators, hummingbirds in particular. But just like trying to create a habitat and environment inside of your garden spaces for pollinators, we've got to do the same for birds. Birds are a little different than pollinators, but the concept is the same. That we need to provide them with space that they prefer, provide them with plants that they prefer, or at least certain characteristics that plants give that birds like. Using birds or trying to attract birds can be a really important aspect of the environments in our backyards. As a matter of fact, we may say that the quality of the environment of our backyard is perceived to be directly related to the populations of birds that we have. I'll tell you, at the nursery, of course, that's Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. When we were building the place, it was sort of just this abandoned lot. Had an old farmhouse on it that hadn't really been kept up. We renovated that and did a lot of work, cleaning things, leveling ground to make sure that we're creating a space where our containerized plants can, can, can go. And early on, I didn't really notice birds. I didn't really notice birds. Uh, sure, there was, you know, here and there, we had a few few visitors. But then as we started bringing plants out, we started planting some things. Um, of course, we've got plenty of plants of different species and uh, varieties and containers that uh, these birds do seem to really enjoy. We started to see more evidence of the birds. We started to see nests in shrubbery we started to see nests and some of the plants that are actually in our containers uh just this week i was uh pruning some plants that are in containers and it appeared like there was a particular plant that a bird loved to be in and around and hide in maybe for cover because there was little bird droppings all over the leaves and you know a lot of people it's kind of disgusting but it is a good sign 
that birds are hanging around. And then, of course, there's the chirping, there's the singing, and it just goes on and on throughout the year, different birds at different times of the year. I've seen a lot of cardinals making their way um, in this late part of winter. They're really showing up. Expect the bluebirds to be coming out as it gets a little warmer. And there's some brown birds. I don't really know birds that well. I just know the plants that they like. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, the more that you do, the more that you bring out, the more you think about the plants that you're selecting, um, maybe you don't care so much if you have birds or not. Yes, sometimes birds could be a nuisance. You know, you've got blueberry plants and you don't want the birds eating all your blueberries. And if you have enough plants, there's enough for you and enough for them. Uh, but if you are interested in, in sort of creating an environment in your own backyard that's ecologically sound and, of course, something that is going to be supportive of our uh, local environment, then looking on building a space for birds is, is really going to be, be critical. Um, we're going to be able to increase the population of birds in our landscape uh, or if you've got a nearby park, if you've, whatever, uh, you'll be able to increase this population year-round by selecting proper plants and arranging these ornamental trees, shrubs, and even food-producing plants. So we're going to talk today about the four critical things that are going to attract and maintain a nice bird population, uh, building a habitat that they like. And then we're going to talk about um, uh, four attributes of plants or shrubs, trees that are critical, things that we need to consider, things we, sort of a checklist of things to think about when you're selecting these plants. And some of these are attractive to the birds, but also they're going to be attractive to the space itself. And then we'll go through a list of plants that are um, listed as some great, a lot of these plants are native plants. Uh, I'll get to that in a little little later, um, but these plants are going to provide those four things um, throughout some time or part of the year that birds just really love. And of course, with birds come um, sort of a, a nice little predator. And I, <laughs> you know, you think of hawks, right? Uh, hawks are predatory birds that feast on larger animals. We're not necessarily talking about that kind of predator, right? We're looking from the landscape perspective of increasing the bird population. So things like grubs, um, uh, small insects that they may love, that our plants may suffer from, uh, the smaller birds are really good at keeping a check on some of these uh, critters <laughs> that you and I despise, that we're trying to get rid of. Of course, with that being said, if we have something that's feasting on bad bugs, then we're not having to control the bad bugs. We're not having to worry about spraying or crushing or picking them off, however you go about it. And it makes our job a bit easier. So birds can really be our friend. But before we get into the meat and discussion of today's topic, I do want to remind you that the end of the month is really quickly approaching. It'll be next week. And the last Saturday of the month is going to be our Q&A week. So if you've got questions that are uh, burning through your landscape, if something happened over winter, we've talked about some of those already with that terrible low temperature freeze we had, sub-freezing temperature uh, period during Christmas. 
But if there's some things that you have questions about, or if you want to share some uplifting stories, things that are of successes in your landscape, we'd love to hear about both of them. You can send us those uh, questions and comments to, at NewSouthernGarden.com. Just go to the Contact Us page. But then, of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram, so you can tag us in a picture. You can send us a video of your landscape. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, feel free to do that. Remember, the month of February... Is the shortest month of the year, so we don't have much time. We don't have much time. Uh, that is going to be our Q&A week next Saturday. So when it comes to enhancing the environment, your environment, what you have control of uh, with ornamental plants in order to attract birds, there are four things that we need to think about when it comes to attracting and maintaining a population of birds. The first thing is birds are going to need food. So we've got to have plants that are providing food to the birds. If the birds do not have enough food in an area, then they have to migrate and go somewhere else, from your back lawn to somebody else's garden, maybe a few neighborhoods down the street, who knows, maybe to the woods. But if you want to attract them and, and maintain a population there, be sure that you're looking for plants in particular that provide food and not just food one time a year but food throughout the year and when we get to our discussion about plants we'll talk about plants that provide food uh, during each season spring summer fall and, and, and winter then the next thing birds are going to need are plants that provide cover remember these birds that we're attracting are kind of lower on the food chain when it comes to and even uh, domesticated cats or a feral group of cats they usually are going after uh, these creatures, these nice little birds that we love. And so we want to provide them with cover. And there are some plants that do a better job, uh, certain characteristics of certain plants that help to give better cover for our bird population than maybe others. So we will talk about some specific plants that provide cover um, and some of the traits that how these plants grow that give the best cover for the birds. Now, the third thing, of course, is the, uh, the birds will be reproducing, right? So the birds will be looking for a place to nest. If you want to increase the population of your, your bird, uh, well, if you want to increase the bird population, I should say, in your landscape, then looking for plants and spaces that can provide nesting areas. Nesting areas are going to be critical because, again, if you want them to hang around, then they need a place to build a nest. They need a place to make a home. You're trying to make a home for them. So we need to use plants that encourage nesting and safe spaces so their nests aren't disturbed. Then, of course, the last thing the, that we're going to need in our landscape, number four, is going to be water. We need a source of water. Now, not all water is the same, but when it comes to water, uh, the water source that you give them should be shallow. We don't necessarily need... Uh, any source of water deeper than two to three inches. So very shallow. The water would need to be replaced on a regular basis. I remember growing up, my grandmother had this concrete, you know what I'm talking about, kind of scalloped uh, uh, bird bath. We call it a bird bath because they do like to bathe, but they also need to drink. And so since they're drinking in that bird bath and they're maybe bathing in the bird bath, they're definitely leaving droppings in the bird bath. It's got to be clean. So whether you have a shallow pan or a bird bath uh, in the traditional sense, probably one of the, the best ways to provide water is with a, a running fountain 
running water. So having a shallow fountain is probably uh, probably ideal. Now, the water source should be elevated or it should be in the middle of an open area to minimize predation. Is that how you say that? Predation. Uh, It should be in a place where birds will be safe, particularly um, from cats and other animals. Because these birds, again, they're lower on the food chain. So when where we put their water source needs to be a bit protected, maybe elevated, could be dangling in a tree if you've got a pan that uh, you can hang from a limb or something. Uh, but of course, at least on a pedestal, at least some kind of tall base or definitely in an open area. It could be low to the ground, but just make sure it's somewhere where the birds can see if your next door neighbor's cat is headed around the corner or not. So um, with all that in mind, those are the four things that we're trying to uh, work through to create a space. Number one is food. We've got to provide food. Now, um, some more details on food. We mentioned we're going to talk about some plants that provide these birds food throughout the year. But in the case um, that you don't have enough plants that provide food through each season, of course, uh, you can, during those periods of the year, maybe it's wintertime, maybe it's springtime, not a lot of plants are doing uh, a lot of reproduction, uh, but during those times of the year where your natural food source may be low, you can supplement with commercial bird seed mixes that uh, will help keep the birds at least in the vicinity of your yard. So providing them with certain uh, seeds that you find commercially, some of those seeds that are really attractive to most birds, sunflower seeds is always the top of the list. Some birds are very specific about what they'll eat and what they don't eat. But in a general statement, most birds will go for sunflower seeds, a millet seed, and peanut kernels. That's not too bad. That's not too bad to find. You don't necessarily have to have them roasted. You don't have to have the honey roasted uh, or anything like that. Don't get them too fancy. Don't go for Mr. Peanut. Uh, Just get the cheap uh, uh, sunflower seeds, peanut kernels that you find uh, in the bird birding stores. Now, there is an interesting thing when it comes to these um, to these types of commercial seed mixes. A lot of times when we put this stuff into the landscape, not just the birds like them. Deer love them. Deer love them. And that has become a concern that the deer are eating out of people's bird feeders. Well, nowadays you can buy um, bird seed that has been treated with capsaicin, which of course is that spicy stuff in hot peppers, completely organic, natural. The birds cannot taste that. But the mammals can. So the deer can, the rabbits could. However, the birds can't. So if you have a problem with deer eating this stuff, you may look for uh, the bird seed that's treated with capsaicin. Folks, after this break, we will have more about bringing birds to your landscape. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So gang, before the break, we were talking, and today we're going to continue to talk about how to attract birds to your landscape, how to increase the population of birds, how to welcome them to your garden, and also make a permanent place for them, an attractive habitat that's going to uh, not just attract them, you know, every now and then, but a place where they want to build a home. So before the break, we were talking about making sure we feed the birds well enough. Making sure that we feed the birds well enough. Um, you, We're going to talk about some plants later that are going to help you sort of naturally feed the birds just because these uh, plants produce seeds or they produce berries, uh, something that the birds do love and attract. Um, attract to. Uh, some of the plants are going to be blooming and producing fruit early in the year, some in the summer, some later in the fall and, and through winter, and it's going to be critical to use those. But if you don't have um, a, a food source at cert- certain times of the year uh, that's growing in your landscape, then you can use, of course, the supplemental uh, food, uh, bird feeders. Never a bad idea to keep that on hand anyways, just so that the birds have copious amounts and they're well-fed and and happy in your place. But we were talking, uh, and I do want to reiterate that when we bring out bird seeds to the landscape, a lot of times it also attracts deer. We have seen many pictures. Folks are snapping pictures of their bird feeder, and these deer are reaching up as high as they can with their necks to lick out, scrape out, and consume the bird seed. Well, the interesting thing is that um, some bird seed is treated with capsaicin, which is that spicy stuff in peppers. It's that chemical that's naturally occurring. It makes hot peppers taste hot and spicy. And we know that deer don't like that because we use that to spray on our foliage of plants that they do like. Once they get a taste of it, they are disinterested. However, birds do not have the ability to taste that spicy stuff, that capsaicin. So some of these birdseed are treated already, and there may be some hacks online, if you will, to try to treat it yourself. Um, Maybe sprinkling in hot pepper flakes, I I don't know. Uh, You may need to do some research there. But if you can use birdseed, if you have deer that are eating birdseed, use birdseed that has the capsaicin. It won't harm the birds. They won't be able to taste it. But the mammals will, and that should keep their greedy little tongues out of your bird feeder. Now, other than cover, we need, uh, I'm sorry, other than food, we need to have places for the birds to have coverage, cover over winter in particular and throughout the year, and nesting areas. So if you want to make these birds your long-term residence, birds are going to require a place to cover, a place of shelter to protect them from a lot of factors. First of all, there's the weather. They need to be protected from the sun. They need to be protected from the heat, the winds, and the rains that come. And not only is the weather something that we have to consider protecting these babies from, but also they need to be protected from natural predators. And of course, even though domesticated cats aren't necessarily part of our nature, they are now. Uh, Cats are a problem. Hawks, other other predatory birds, uh, snakes, 
all kinds of things may go after birds. And so if they don't feel safe in your landscape, if there's nowhere for them to hide, if all you have is an open lawn with few shrubs to hide in or trees to hide in, and they're not going to hang around for a while. So we've got to increase uh, cover and, of course, places for them to, to, uh, to nest. Now, there is a particular style of plant that birds prefer when it comes to cover and, and nesting. And that is plants that have multi-stems. Plants that have multi-stems and just create this dense canopy. Some of the best shrubs that we grow are in that style, like gardenias. They are a multi-stem shrub. Uh, we've got a great, huge, old-fashioned gardenia at the house that uh, has been planted probably since the 90s. It's 8 to 10 foot tall. It's the old-fashioned, that's for sure. But it's multi-stemmed. It's got a just a slew of branches, a uh, thick, dense canopy of leaves. And that is an example of a great place for uh, birds to, to live. Now, of course, there are other things. We're going to talk about serviceberry later on, but serviceberry is a, a larger uh, shrub, if you will. It's more like a small tree as far as its height goes, maybe 20, 25 feet tall. But it naturally suckers and has... Um, has this structure that's full of branches, full of stems, and full of leaves in the summertime. So dense canopy plants are ideal for creating a nesting environment. Now, some birds are going to require shelter year-round. So your landscape really needs to have a mixture of deciduous and evergreen plants. This is another characteristic of plants that is going to be critical. Of course, we've talked about deciduous and evergreen before, but to summarize, evergreen plants are those plants that do not drop their leaves in the winter. Things like gardenia and holly, most of those, uh, there are some deciduous hollies, but still, most of the hollies are going to be evergreen, and they're a great source for food as well, we'll find out um, later on today. So those kinds of plants with evergreen leaves are going to be critical to have. But as well, uh, a lot of the deciduous plants, which are plants that drop their leaves in the winter, they usually provide us with great fall color uh, before they drop their leaves, so very beautiful. And many of the deciduous plants are heavy bloomers. Um, you think about hydrangeas, they may not necessarily provide food for birds, but they are multi-stem. They do have leaves in the summer, but they drop their leaves um, in the fall, but they are heavy bloomers. And so there are a lot of reasons why we would consider having both evergreen plants and deciduous plants. Conifers are another example of evergreens. I didn't really mention the conifers, but the arbor varieties, the red cedars, those things, those plants that smell like cypress when you crush them, right? They may look like a Christmas tree. They may be dwarf and shrub-like, uh, but they maintain their foliage all year. Now, what some of the references suggest, what some of the uh, research suggests is to at least have 25% of the trees and shrubs in your birding environment to be evergreen. So at least 25% of your shrubs and your trees should maintain their foliage on them. Now, you'll remember when we talked about evergreen and deciduous before, just from a landscaping and design perspective, I increased that pretty high. I mean, I think 50-50, having 50% evergreen, 50% deciduous, uh, or even greater number of evergreen if you really want some uh, attractive landscape landscape plants in the winter. Remember that a landscape that has uh, a bunch of deciduous plants and very little evergreen will just look like a plant graveyard over winter. Just a bunch of twigs, no leaves, just stems, 
it's not necessarily that attractive. So just from the design perspective, evergreen versus deciduous, balancing that looks attractive. And from the bird's perspective, it's going to be even critical. We did talk about the last uh, criteria. The last thing we need to consider when we're attracting and maintaining birds in our landscape is going to be water. We have a shallow source of water, two to three inches deep. A running fountain that's moving the water is probably best, but your water source needs to be kept out of uh, the site, or rather, not hidden. It shouldn't be surrounded by plants uh, where predators like cats, your next door neighbor's cats could hide waiting for those birds to come take a bath or take a drink. Make sure the birds, uh, bird water is in an exposed area, maybe uh, away from plants or hanging in a tree uh, far from the reach of predators. So those are the four big things that we're going to need in our landscape, food cover, nesting areas, and water. And the rest of the program, of course, we're going to talk about certain plants that are going to help provide us with uh, the food, the cover, and the nesting areas, that's for sure. Some of the attributes of certain plants that we need to consider uh, when we're selecting trees and shrubs for birds, number one is going to be the habitat element that it provides. Is this plant that we're going to put in our landscape going to provide food, cover, nesting areas, maybe all three? Uh, what time of year? That's going to be the fruiting season. The next Next attribute is of the plants you use, when does it fruit? What time of year? Is it fruiting in the spring, the summer, the fall, or the winter? Or maybe it, it uh, fruits multiple seasons. And then, of course, the third attribute of these plants that we're going to have to consider is going to be, um, are they deciduous or evergreen? Do they lose their leaves in the winter or do they keep their leaves in the winter? And the last attribute of these plants that we're going to use, we've got to consider the mature size of the tree to make sure, or the mature size of the shrub, to make sure it fits the space. How much available space do you have and can this tree or shrub fill that space? When we get back, folks, we're going to talk about plants uh, and attributes of plants that are going to help you attract birds. Hang on tight. Folded for the world to Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, welcome back to the second half of today's program here on New Southern Garden. Uh, we've been talking about attracting birds to your landscape and also maintaining that population of birds. There are some critical things that we need to have, uh, certain attributes in our landscape, certain characteristics of our landscape that are going to be attractive to birds. R remember, when we're dealing with animals, natural animals, uh, wild animals that's the word wild animals in the landscape sometimes we're trying to attract them and sometimes we're trying to deter them so rabbits and deer and groundhogs moles and voles we usually don't see those as much benefit because they do so much damage to plant material but when it comes to birds we're trying to attract them so when we try to attract an animal to our landscape 
We want to create a hospitable environment to their life cycle, uh, to their daily practices that they undergo, eating, sleeping, reproducing, drinking. When it comes to deterring animals from the landscape, one great method of doing so is to create an unhospitable environment. So create a situation that they don't want to be around. Maybe they feel uncomfortable. Uh, maybe there's a certain smell, maybe there's certain odors, certain tastes that they don't like. But in the case of birds, we're actually trying to uh, position our landscapes in such a way that we are attracting, that we are creating a very attractive space for them to play, to recreate, to live, to reproduce, to have babies, to raise them, kick them out of the nest when they get old enough and be on their own. <laughs> so with all that being said, we talked about the four critical things that we need. And if you missed any part of today's program, in a few short hours, you can find it online at NewSouthernGarden.com and also uh, pretty much every podcasting application you can find on your smartphone uh, or tablet um, wherever you listen to podcast. Those four things are food, cover, nesting area, and water. And if you can provide those things, then you will have a very attractive landscape for uh, wild birds. Now, for the rest of the program, we're going to be talking about plants that can give us those things. Plants that can give us the food, plants that can give the birds cover, and also the nesting areas. And the four critical, I like it, it's four and four, right? Easy to remember. So the four characteristics of plants that you need to consider before you even buy them, before you even plant them, uh, if you're looking to attract birds, is number one, is that plant uh, what habitat element is that plant providing? What habitat element is that plant providing? Is it going to provide food, cover, or nesting areas, or is it going to provide multiple habitat elements? Because those plants that provide you with, the, with more uh, habitat elements is wonderful for spaces that are going to be um, uh, small, right? If you have a small space, if you have a small landscape, then you definitely are going to want less number of plants because you don't have that, that much space. So the second thing that you've got to ask yourself about these plants is what about their fruiting season? Um, if it's a plant that fruits and provides food for birds, which season is it fruiting? Because you are going to need uh, multiple plants to spread food throughout the year, right? So if some plants provide fall and winter food, check that off the list. If they provide summer food, that's great. Spring food and winter food, all four seasons need to be covered when we talk about plants that are providing food uh, for your birds. Now, the third critical thing to think about when it comes to the characteristics of these plants is are the plants you're choosing deciduous or evergreen? Those are going to be the two critical things. And lastly, I was trying to summarize, but I've gone into a discussion here. Uh, number four is going to be what's the size of the mature tree or shrub is it going to fit into the space that you want it to grow will you have to do some pruning maybe for it to stay in that space so as we talk about some of these plants i'm going to give you uh 
the answers to those questions for, for a few of the plants that we're going to talk about. What habitat element are they providing? When is their fruiting season? Are they deciduous or evergreen? And what is the mature size of the tree? So before we get into talking about these plants, I do want to encourage you to begin this process of selecting plants for birds to add to your landscape by assessing what is already in your landscape. So go and, and let's make a chart, okay? We need a chart of all the plants in our landscape and what they are. Uh, in the first column, you may write uh, what the plant name is, and then you're going to have a series of uh, probably five columns beside that. We'll need a column for providing cover. We'll need a column for food source, and then we need a column for the fruiting season for that food source. And a fourth column on this chart would be, uh, is it deciduous or evergreen? Because we do want to figure out if we're getting that 25% of evergreen plants in the landscape that has been recommended uh, by references and research. And then lastly, you may make a list for the size of the plant. Is it a small plant? Is it a medium plant? Is it a large plant? So if you make this chart, it's a great way to get started because as you make this chart, you're checking these boxes off. This particular plant gives me cover. Check. This particular plant gives me food. And more specifically, this particular plant gives me food in the summer. So you're checking off that season. And then you're checking off, does it drop its leaves? It's deciduous or is it evergreen? Does it keep its leaves? And then, of course, you can check off and keep a record of how large these plants get as well. So we're going to sort of talk through these plants in that manner, uh, but I would encourage you to develop a table, to develop a chart uh, that's something similar to what I've described so that you can keep track, and then going forward, you know, well, I've got a hole on my chart. My, the hole is, I need a food source in the middle of winter. What plant can I find this spring or late winter, this weekend, uh, that gives me a food source for birds in the winter? It's just an easy way to keep things uh, checked up and uh, trying to keep it going. Now, let's talk about some plants, my favorite part. Of all the trees in our lands, in our native environment, uh, native trees, Probably one of my favorites is the beech tree, the beech tree. Beech trees are quite large plants. So when you uh, do this chart, just know that beeches are large, but they're beautiful. They have this very smooth gray bark, very smooth gray bark. Uh, and I remember as a kid, I would wander through the woods and there was just a slew of beech trees. As a kid, I didn't know what they were, but I did notice that these beech trees were beautiful, had beautiful yellow leaves in the fall. So from the design perspective, beech trees, they're kind of hard to find. Uh, they're not easily, easily grown from seed, uh, sorry, easily produced in the nursery. You kind of have to grow them from seed. Um, so they take a while to grow. So they are slow growing, but over time they'll get large. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. They do provide a great food source in the fall and winter, and that is the beech fruit, which is called beech nuts. You may be familiar with beech nuts. You may see them in the grocery stores and um, health food stores. I don't know where all they sell beech nuts, but of course, some people eat them, and birds will definitely eat them. So the beech tree is a great plant to have because it's providing a food source in fall and winter, which is sometimes very hard to achieve. It is deciduous, so you'll need to incorporate some evergreen if you use the beech tree, but don't forget about using the beech tree for its ornamental value, as well as the, the fruits that they produce are, are um, very tasty for birds, and they know about them. 
the, the reason we're probably going to talk mainly about native plants uh, in this discussion is, let me give you an analogy. Uh, well, so birds being native to our space, our area, the southeastern U.S., these birds have grown up with the foods that are naturally existing in the environment, in the woods. Here I am, a Georgia boy. Here I am, a southern kid, right? I don't mind Mexican food and Chinese food every now and then. But what I'm used to is biscuits and gravy and fried chicken and turnip greens. You give me that, I can eat it all day. Doesn't mean that I don't like some, uh, you know, specialty foods, some uh, foods from exotic places. Birds will eat foods from other places, but, you know, they know these native plants and their foods. So think about incorporating certain native plants into your, um, into your bird habitat. Another plant that is native is black cherry, uh, Prunus serotina, I believe. They produce these tiny little round, they look like berries, but it's actually a cherry. So there's a, a, a fleshy coating and right on the inside is a pit, just like a cherry would have. A cherry you'd buy at the grocery store, but they're really small, but birds love them. Now, that is a great plant for cover because they tend to sort of be multi-stem, a lot of branches. Uh, some of them can can be trained as a tree, uh, but if it's a multi-stem if it's trained as a multi-stem, you've got some great cover. And then the food they provide is a wonderful food source for birds in the summer. So we talked about beech trees giving fall and winter. Now we're going to make on our chart, we're going to have uh, black cherries giving summer fruit for the birds. Now they are deciduous. They are deciduous, so we've still got to talk about some evergreen plants. So let's jump right to hollies. Hollies are a wonderful plant for both cover and for food. Uh, because as you probably know, hollies are for the most part evergreen, but all hollies produce those little holly berries. Usually they're red. Some hollies are black or purple. Uh, there's different colors there, but in general, holly fruits are ready to eat by winter and maybe into spring. Uh, hollies are really good about maintaining the fruits on the plants. They don't shrivel up too quickly. Uh, maybe if there's a freeze or something, a heavy freeze, but they usually persist from winter and into spring. It does take them a long time to get ripe and turn bright red, but uh, the great thing about hollies is there are many different varieties and cultivars and types, so you can have large hollies, you can have medium-sized hollies, and you can have small hollies as well, but if you're going to go into the holly world, you might as well uh, get some that are evergreen so that you have that coverage giving the plants cover to uh, for protection but also for nesting i usually find a bird's nest in one at least one of our holly plants uh throughout uh the the, the year at the nursery so hollies are great uh, i should mention that there are some deciduous hollies like the winterberry holly uh, those kinds of hollies are attractive to the landscape because they have naked branches in the winter, but their bright red fruits are just dangling off those branches. So it's very attractive, and it would be very easy uh, for a bird to notice those because they do stand out, and they're usually quite large, quite, quite meaty. Another great evergreen plant that is going to give us coverage and food is the magnolia. Now, magnolias are large trees. Uh, with that being said, there are some dwarf varieties that don't get quite as tall, but even the dwarf, 
even the dwarf magnolias could get 20 feet tall uh, at least. So magnolia, the southern magnolia in particular, and there are other magnolias that can do the job, but they are going to be providing food in the summer. So you've got a source of evergreen foliage for cover and for nesting and protection, and that plant will also have its bright red fruits ready for birds to eat, and they do like them. They really do like them. You will find that plant uh, giving its fruits in the summer. So these are just a few plants. I know we're coming up on a break. I do want to say one way to find out if a plant, if a bird really likes, if a bird really likes a certain plant uh, (laughs) to eat its fruits is is to look along fence rows, uh, along fences, whether you have a fence uh, on your property or maybe neighbors or driving through the country. Look at what's growing in the fence. Like a plant was planted at the base of the fence. What that usually signifies is that a bird ate some fruit of a tree, sat on the fence, made a dropping, and the seed from the dropping grew. So if it's along a fence row, plant, uh, birds are definitely eating fruits from that plant. After this break, we've got more plants that are going to attract birds. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, that's uh, Edie Rose, my three-year-old daughter. She's encouraging you this morning, just like I have been, to give gardening for birds a go. Trying to create a space or spaces in your landscape, create a habitat, an environment that not only attracts birds, but an environment that also maintains a population of birds so they are happy, healthy, and enjoying making your home their home. Of course, just walking out into a landscape, into your garden, and hearing the songs they provide is is plenty of enjoyment for gardeners, but they do also help to keep some pests down. And so in many cases, you will have less bugs, less insects, less grubs, because certain birds may also go uh, for those things that you're trying to get rid of anyways. Before the break, we were talking about specific plants and checking off all of the criteria that's needed to create this habitat. So each plant that we're talking about today has certain characteristics. It, it may be a great plant to provide cover uh, for birds. It may be a great plant to provide food for birds. And then, of course, we were talking about the fruiting season that it's going into uh, to provide uh, birds food during and is the plant deciduous or evergreen. Already we've talked about beech trees, black cherry trees. Uh, Let's see, we talked about hollies and magnolias on the evergreen side. I do want to mention red cedar. Um, Before the break, I was telling you that one key indicator uh, 
if a plant is beloved by a bird as far as a food source, is to look along the uh, look along fence rows, look along edges of fence, right in the fence. Um, if you've got a fence, your neighbor's got a fence, driving through the country, you see fences. And a fence that's not maintained will have a number of trees growing right there in and amongst the fence. And what that usually tells us is that a bird sat on the fence at one time and made a dropping, it, it, it excreted, and what was inside of the droppings was some seeds, some seeds from trees that it had consumed. Now, at my place, we've got a fence that's probably been up since the 90s, I guess, when the house was built, and uh, it was sort of, it's sort of maintained. I've had to come in uh, since we purchased the property and clean up the edges, but all along the edges, it never fails. Every few feet or so, there is a young, small, eastern red cedar. We happen to have a lot of eastern red cedar in our area. Of course, these are evergreen plants, um, medium to large uh, in their lifetime. Some of these will get very large uh, kind of like a arborvitae or a, um, well, really, I've seen them as tall as some small oaks. But regardless, there's a lot of variation in the eastern red cedar. So you don't know what you're going to get if you're dealing with one that was planted by a bird. Regardless, the birds have been eating the eastern red cedar fruits in our area, and they are dropping them uh, along fence rows. So with that being said, if you don't have eastern red cedar, I love the plant. I love the plant. It doesn't come with many problems other than um, it shares a disease with apple trees. So if you have apple trees, uh, eastern red cedars complete one cycle of the, it's called apple cedar rust. Um, it doesn't really affect the cedar all that much. It will cause some weird growth, but it doesn't harm the cedar tree. But if you have apple trees, then the second part of the life cycle is tossed back to the apple, which actually does the economic damage. It will damage your uh, apple tree and, of course, the apple fruits. But otherwise, the red cedars are wonderful because they're great coverage. They're evergreen. They've got plenty of branches, uh, great defenses too because they're sort of a little stickery you know they're they're a fairly soft plant but because they're technically a juniper they're in the juniper family some of their needles have little bitty you know sharp points on them not necessarily spines just sharp edges and so great to sort of uh, get a bird to fly in there and then it's going to be hard for something to uh, to attack it before it can move out again um, but those fruits the the little uh, red cedars make these cones is essentially what it is but they're sort of this blue color and they look like a berry but they're not a berry they're actually a cone like a pine tree would have a cone but they're tiny like a blueberry and those uh, cones are very productive in fall through winter so we haven't talked much about fall plants but fall through winter is going to be a great source of food for your eastern red cedar and of course it is evergreen now, another plant uh, that I really want to talk about is going to provide you with some summer food. This is the black gum. Now, black gum is a tree. It's kind of a uh, fairly large tree. However, some folks I've seen, they will sort of hedge it. Uh, so you could keep it small and keep it pruned in a small space. But the black gum is beautiful fall color okay you're not going to be disappointed whether it's a tree form or a shrubby form no matter how you prune it it is going to give you some great fall color and in the summer they produce these little blue they look like berries even though they're not and maybe like a grape um, sometimes blue to purple um, and they're going to be ready 
for the birds to eat in summer. So think about black gums. They provide great cover because the way their structure is, sometimes they're multi-stem as well. So they're going to give you some coverage, food, and they are deciduous. So keep that in mind. This plant is not going to have leaves all year, but in the fall time, you're going to look out at that black gum and you're going to see some of the best fall color that you've ever had. Don't forget about blueberries when it comes to summer. I mentioned those earlier because sometimes uh, the birds will eat our blueberries. We don't want them to eat all of them, but blueberry does make a great food source for summer food and cover because they're multi-stem, they sucker, they sort of colonize. And if you have enough blueberries, then there'll be plenty to go around. Trust me, you'll be eating plenty and the birds will be eating plenty as well. Now, spring is always kind of hard to get to. Spring is kind of hard to get to because the idea is we're looking for plants that are giving us fruits all year long, whether it's seeds or whether it's fleshy fruits. So springtime, you've got to find something that blooms really early and produces fruits very soon. And one of the best plants for that is hawthorn. There's plenty of hawthorns. Uh, Mayhaw, Mayhaw, I think, is, is, is a particular variety of hawthorn that is going to work very well as far as very early spring bloomers. They're fairly a medium-sized, multi-stem shrub, so they give you plenty of cover and plenty of food in the springtime. Now, let's see if I can get to, I have a scenario here that you may have. Uh, let me list out a, an example of a landscape and see what we can do to uh, fill in some holes. Because again, if we're building a chart of our plants, what kind of cover they give us, what kind of food source, and when, what time of year, are they deciduous or evergreen, and how large they are, then we need to start plugging in holes using plants that fill up the coverage we need all year, the evergreenness we need all year, the fruiting that we need all year. So here's an example. If you have a few evergreen trees or shrubs, um, you don't have much winter shelter, but also have only a small area for additional plants. What you need to do is select plants that are classified as evergreen, that are small at maturity, um, red cedar, viburnum, pyracantha, Japanese yew, holly, and wax myrtle all are relatively small trees. Here's another example. Say you need a food source for the spring but have limited yard area available. Well, we've already mentioned that an excellent solution is to plant a hawthorn, particularly those mayhaws, because they are small multi-stem shrubs that are going to bear fruit in the spring and attract a wide variety of birds. So once you start generating a chart, of all these characteristics that the existing plants are giving you, find ways to plug in the holes, find ways to fill in holes so you have an attractive habitat for birds all year long. Well, gang, I hope that you get out there and actually give it a go. <laughs> give, it a go. give gardening for birds a go. We'll see you next week with your questions on our Q&A week for February. Y'all stay well and grow well. See you next time. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.